Welcome to the second episode of the Speaking of Romeo and Juliet podcast series. I've already provided you a one note explaining the highlights of this episode, so it might be repetitive in that sense, but I'm making this podcast as an alternative to reading my notes. I may also say things that I don't mention in my notes or in class. The actual story begins with two servants of Capulet, Samson and Gregory, strolling through the city commenting and complaining about their lot in life. It's interesting that Shakespeare uses these names. His name choices are practically never random, but highly intentional. The name Samson is a tragic biblical character who is strong but very sinful. In the play he comes across as show-offy and arrogant. Gregory's name means watchful and alert. He is observant, straightforward, and honest, but isn't shy of making fun of Samson. Quote, to move is to stir, and to be valiant is to stand. Therefore, if thou art moved, thou runnest away. Unquote. Gregory is chiding Samson for just talking the talk and not walking the walk. Intentionally or not, Samson doesn't respond to Gregory's criticism and keeps up his tough boy image, saying, quote, I will take the wall of any man or maid of Montague's. Unquote. The word wall is used a number of times as a kind of mental prop because it gives us a reference point for how he'd treat the Montagues if he ever ran into them. Samson would push them away from the safety of the wall as an insult and stab them with his sword, but at the same time, he'd sexually assault their women. Gregory almost protests at Samson's callous remarks about sex and reminds him that the fight is just between the two lords of Capulet and Montague and their men, not the women. That doesn't seem to faze Samson, who believes the woman should be victimized as well. So, as luck has it, Samson and Gregory spot a pair of Montague's sword-carrying servants, minding their own business. Samson challenges them with a kind of evasive aggression by the bite of the thumb which is an offensive hand gesture that is equivalent to the middle finger that we know today. Abram, a Montague clansman, diplomatically responds, quote, Do you bite your thumb, sir? Unquote. From this exchange, an all-out brawl erupts. Nobody is mortally wounded in this brawl, but five important events follow. 1. Tybalt, Capulet's nephew and Juliet's cousin, is introduced as an intolerant fighter. 2. Benvolio is recognized as a peacemaker. 3. The prince is introduced, and he sets the decree of capital punishment for those who start another fight in public. Quote, If ever you disturb our streets again, your lives shall pay the forfeit of the peace. Unquote. This is a foreshadowing of all the deaths to come. 4. Lord Capulet and his wife, Lord Montague and his wife, are introduced. We see the dynamics between the foolish behavior of the lords and the pragmatic response by their wives. Quote, what noise is this? Give me my long sword. A crutch, a crutch. Why call you a sword? That's a classic husband and wife comedy scene, if I've ever seen one. And five... Lady Montague asks for Romeo, which switches the scene effectively from the fight to the dialogue between him and Benvolio concerning his unrequited love for Rosaline. 
I'm already at four minutes, so I won't spend too much time on the dialogue between Romeo and Benvolio, but here I personally think we have to forget the cinematic images we know of Romeo and start with a blank slate. Forget everything you know about him, about how physically appealing the film actors who portray him look, and about how we all automatically portray him as a dashing, young, and passionate protagonist. Throw that all out of your head, and what are you left with? We meet this young dude who is moping and looking lost. He is visibly sad and depressed. Did he lose a family member? Did he get fired from a good job? Did he even get dumped? No, he's sad because some chick won't acknowledge him. Oh, what a poor boy, the narcissistic, self-indulgent rich kid. Benvolio sympathizes and is a good friend, for he would, quote, Rather weep at Romeo's good heart's oppression. Right now, don't you just want to smack him? Having said that, Romeo says some good lines showing how confused he is, using contrasting imagery. Quote, Why the, O oh, brawling love, O oh, loving hate, O oh, heavy lightness, feather of lead, bright smoke, cold fire, sick health, still waking sleep. This love feel I, that feel no love in this. But you know, frankly, I can't stop being judgmental of Romeo in this scene. The young man gives away his real motivation for pursuing Rosaline, who who frustrates him because she won't give him a minute of her time with him. He can't use his seductive and pleading eyes and words. She won't go to bed with him, needless to say, as she is supposedly very chaste and virtuous. He is so full of himself, and he is so presumptuous when he says that when she dies, her beauty will die with her, and, quote, in that sparing makes huge waste, unquote. What she spares is her virginity, and Romeo is sad that he can't take it. Can I smack him now? All the things I should have done When I was your man Do all the things I should have done When I was your man